think more than anything, that's what God's been really showing me about prayer, is that it's not all about me. It's just not about me. Prayer calls us to abandon our plans for the wiser plans of another. And prayer flows from this deep personal sense of need and it runs to God's abundant grace. And I don't know about you today, but I am in a desperate need of God's grace and presence in my life right now. I mean, for whatever reason, this season of life just seems really difficult right now. I feel like the enemy is attacking from all directions and the pressure of life is just pressing in and I'm starting to wonder if I can stand under the weight of all of it. And if you're like me, you can put up with trouble for a little while, but when the problems keep coming, they start to just wear you down. And you start to wonder, how long will this continue? Maybe you're in that same place too. Maybe you're fighting to hold your marriage together and the battle just to keep going one more day seems overwhelming. Maybe you have a rebellious son or daughter who is bringing you pain right now. Maybe you have been dealing with family issues for some time and it's just not easy to keep going. Maybe you're battling a particular sin and you think you're making progress then all of a sudden that sin entraps you again and the battle just keeps going on and on and on and you're just tired of it. Maybe you're battling an illness and you don't have answers to anything and you're scared and frightened of what the future may hold. Or maybe you work in an environment where everything is affirmed except for faith in Christ and the pursuit of a godly life. And you're facing the ongoing erosion of an increasingly hostile culture and you're different. You're different than everybody else around you. And over time, it's starting to wear you down. Listen, anybody who serves God wholeheartedly comes to the place of saying, I don't know how much longer I can do this and how much more I can take. Everybody has a battle to face and there will be times when you get tired of your battle. And the obvious question in all of this is, God, where are you? Where are you in all of this? And if you're like me, it's easy to begin to lose heart and to start to doubt and to begin to question God and to start to give up, especially when it comes to prayer. I think one of the most difficult aspects of prayer is persevering when it seems like God is not answering. When you've prayed about something over and over again and you still don't have an answer, and you're in that place of desperation and you don't feel like God hears you, it's easy to lose hope and it's easy to give up praying about it. You know, Jesus had a lot to say about prayer on his time here on earth. And I think that he knew that in our flesh we were weak and we were prone to lose heart. And so he tells this parable about an old widow and an unjust judge in Luke chapter 18. I want to read it to you. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to that. It's Luke chapter 18. It's going to start in verse 1. 
One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm gonna see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God, who surely gives justice to his chosen people, who cry out to him day and night, will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? So to put this parable in context a little bit, back in chapter 17 of Luke, Jesus tells his disciples that a day would come when they would long to see his return, but they wouldn't get to see him return. And he was preparing them for a time between his ascension and his second coming, which is the time we're in right now. He knew during that time that the world would reject him, the world would reject the Father. And so in this parable, the church would be very much like this widow, left without her heavenly bridegroom, left in a world where she would be demonized and persecuted by the ungodly. And we see this play out all around us in the world as Christians are persecuted for their faith. And yet it seems like those who pursue evil and continue to prosper, and we wonder where is justice, and when will truth win out? And during this time of waiting and struggle, Jesus shows us through this parable that we will persevere, but we will do it in prayer. Jesus says we're to pray and never give up. See, God promised that Jesus would return one day in glory and power, and he will judge the earth, and he will vindicate his people. But in the interim, as we wait for his promises to be fulfilled, if we don't want to lose heart, Jesus says we must pray. We must persist in prayer. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul says that we're, we're supposed to pray without ceasing. And the intent of what Paul is telling us is not that we're in this constant, never-ending prayer of words, but instead we're in this constant state of dependence upon God, a constant communion with him. And Jesus modeled for us the kind of life of what it meant to live in dependence upon the Father. When you look at the life of Jesus, it was a life of prayer. It was something he engaged in often. He would often slip away from the crowds and go into the wilderness to pray alone and be with the Father. It's what gave him the energy to continue when he was weary and tired. Communion with God was a must for Jesus. And the word Paul uses when he says pray without ceasing, it's the same word that is used to describe military assaults. See, the military would attack, withdraw, regroup, and then they would attack again. And they would keep doing that and attack and attack and attack until they achieved victory. That's what Paul says when he says pray without ceasing. That's how we're to pray. We pray until we get victory. We never stop praying. Prayer is not an optional activity for us. It's a necessity for every believer because it acknowledges our total dependence on God. 
Not to pray is arrogance. Not to pray is arrogance because if I don't pray, what I'm really saying is, thanks God, but I can handle this by myself. And the truth is I can't handle anything by myself apart from God's grace and power. But in our independence, sometimes I think we think we're competent to handle things in our own strength. And I think this is really dangerous when when it's things that we do all the time, right? So we'll hop in a car and we'll go on a trip without a thought of prayer because we've driven safely for many years now. I haven't been in an accident in a long time. I don't need to pray for protection, but we forget that we depend upon the Lord for protection. We go to work every day and we do our jobs without prayer because we know how to do our jobs, right? But we forget that we're dependent on God to do our jobs competently. I mean, how many times do we make our own plans and then expect God to bless those plans that we've made when we didn't stop to pray if we should make those plans in the first place? But there's another major reason I think we don't pray. And I think it's because we lose heart when God's answers are delayed. And it's this source of discouragement that Jesus is addressing here in this parable. He knew that his coming would be delayed to the point that his disciples would long to see him come, but he wouldn't come. And during his absence, his disciples would be mocked and rejected. Some of them would be persecuted to the point of death. Others would go through really awful hardships, and he knew That from our limited human perspective, it would seem like that God is not answering or even listening when we pray because we don't see things from his eternal perspective. And so he tells this parable to show that we should never give up on seeking God in prayer. Now, there are two main characters in this story. The first is the unjust judge. See, in Jesus' day, district judges would go from town to town and they would charge money to make legal decisions regarding disputes. And the judge would set up his court in a tent and his assistants would decide of all the cases who would come before him. But this was a wicked judge and he had no fear of God and he didn't care what people said. And the idea was that he took bribes and favors from people of position and authority. He didn't care about what was right. He didn't care about upholding the law All he wanted to do was fill his pockets of money and gain honor and esteem from positions of people in authority. Then you have the second character in this parable, and that's the widow. And she's seen as this hopeless victim. She was poor and without money. She didn't have money to bribe the judge. And as a widow, she's all alone in a man's world with no man and no money to secure legal counsel to plead her case. She held no position of authority. She had no rights to petition the judge. But yet she was being taken advantage of and abused by some adversary, and she demanded justice from the judge. Now, this unrighteous judge had no interest in hearing her case because she didn't have money to bribe him, so she didn't want to listen to what she had to say. And he didn't care if he ignored her. Who was going to come at him? Who was going to get him in any trouble? She had nobody to speak up for her cause and cause any trouble. So he ignores her, and he ignores her for a while. And yet, despite having absolutely nothing going for her, she persists by continually and publicly demanding her case be heard. 
And you can almost picture her in a court following the judge in the street, standing outside of his home, screaming at the top of her lungs, grant me justice. And finally, the judge says to himself, well, I don't fear God and I don't care what people think, but man, this, this woman is bothering me to no end. And I'm going to make sure she gets justice just so she'll leave me alone. And so Jesus takes these two extreme characters, not to compare them to the relationship we have with the Father, but to contrast, contrast them. Jesus is saying, you should be encouraged in your praying, because if a poor widow got what she deserved from a selfish judge, how much more will God's children receive what is right from a loving Heavenly Father? So I want us to look at the two contrasts real quick. Let's start with the widow. The widow was a stranger, right? But we are children of God, and God cares for his children. The widow had no access to a judge, but God's children have open access to his presence and can come to him at any time they need help. The widow had no friend at court to help get her court case on the docket. All she could do was walk around outside the tent and make a nuisance of herself. But we as Christian believers, when we pray, in heaven we have a savior who is our advocate and our high priest and who constantly represents us before the throne of God. When we pray, we can open the word of God and claim the many promises of God. But the widow had no promises that she could claim as she tried to convince the judge to hear her case. We not only have God's unfailing promises, but we have the Holy Spirit who assists us in praying. And perhaps the greatest contrast is that the widow came to a court of law, but God's children come to a throne of grace. She pled out of her poverty, but we have all of God's riches available to us to meet our every need. Let's look at the contrast of the unjust judge and the father. Now we would be really mistaken if we thought that Jesus was trying to teach us that God was like this self-centered, callous judge. That would run counter to the entire biblical revelation of the character of God as a loving, tender father in relation to his children. The judge had no compassion for anyone, but God cares for his children. Can you advance the slide for me? Maybe, maybe not. In Psalms 103, 13, it says, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. And see, this is something we have to hold on to and we have to trust in. Even when we're in the midst of pain and suffering, it's easy for us to despair and think that God has forgotten us when we don't get immediate answers. But God never forgets us and God never abandons us. In Isaiah, it says this, it says, yet Jerusalem says, the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. Never, God says, never can a mother forget her nursing child. Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would never forget you. I have written your name on the palms of my hands. See, although in this lifetime, we may not ever understand the reasons why God is delaying answers when we're in agony and pain, we know for certain that his delay isn't because he doesn't care for us or because he's unable to do what we need. God is far more able to do than what we can ever ask 
or even think of. The reason for the delay with the widow was the unjust judge was unwilling, but that is never the reason for our Heavenly Father. The unjust judge was acting out of selfish motives. Even when he granted her request, he did it just to get her to stop bothering him. But God always acts out of self-sacrificing love, and we see that clearly in the cross. This judge was only concerned for his own relief, but God acts out of the wise concern for the well-being of his people. God doesn't usually explain in advance why he's delaying the answers to our requests, but our response is to continually persist in seeking him out, to press more and more into him, to trust him more. Like this widow, we should cry out day and night to our heavenly father, She had no attorney. She had no advocate to plead her case. But we have the Holy Spirit to help us pray. And we have the Lord Jesus himself interceding at the right hand of the Father on our behalf. What made this widow persist is that she had a great need. And sometimes the Lord delays his answer to us because we need to see how needy we really are. And so he keeps us waiting for a while. Sometimes I think God leaves us in prayer for a long time because the testing and shaping of our faith is more important than the answer to our prayer. Let me say that again because I know that's hard to take in. I think sometimes God leaves us in prayer because the testing and shaping of our faith is more important than the answer to our prayer. Whatever his reasons are, We need to cling to the fact that his delays are always for our good, even if we don't understand the reasons why. Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, how many on earth will have faith? And the implication is that faith will be a rare thing in that time. But faith is what we're supposed to cling to. It's what Jesus is telling us to hold on to. Because in essence, faith is trusting in the unknown. Faith is trusting when you don't have an answer, but you still hold to the promises of God. Faith is is saying, I will continue to seek you out, Lord, until the end. I will never give up. I will never turn from your face. I will trust you even if it does not make any sense. But remember that God's delays are not the delays of inactivity, but preparation God is always answering prayer. He's always answering prayer. Otherwise, Romans 8.28 couldn't be in the Bible. It says, God works in all things, in all times, causing all things to work together to accomplish his purposes. See, the moment we send a request that is in his will, God begins to work. We may not see it now, but one day that answer will come. We also need to understand that answers come from God's timetable, not ours. With the Lord, a thousand years is like a day. He told Noah there would be a flood, but a hundred years went by before a drop of rain fell from the sky. I want you to think about that. He told Noah to build a boat because there would be a flood. A hundred years, Noah builds that boat and is mocked by his neighbors every day for a hundred years before a drop of rain comes. Could you wait a hundred years for your prayer to be answered? 
He promised Abraham a son, but he watched Sarah go through menopause and 25 years elapse before Isaac is born. He promised Joseph in his teenage years that through his dreams that his fathers and brothers would bow down to him, but he was sold into slavery by his brothers and he spent his 20s in an Egyptian jail. He promised to deliver his people from bondage in Egypt, but 400 years go by before he raised up Moses. And then only after Moses spent 40 years in the desert after his failure, he promised to send his Messiah, but his people had to wait 400 years after the last prophet before the fullness of time and God to send his son. Quickly by God's calendar is not quickly by ours. We also have to be content with the fact that some answers just aren't gonna be answered on this side of eternity. Some things in life we just have to endure and trust in the Lord, and I know that is not the nice, neat, pretty package or the warm and fuzzy feeling that we're looking for. I know it's not, but that's just the truth of it. It's the truth of it. I don't know where we've got this silly notion that if we follow Jesus, everything in life will work out with the storybook ending. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. God never promised those kind of things. And Hebrews shows us plenty of believers who didn't get a storybook ending. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawn in half. Others were killed with a sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goat, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hidings and caves and holes in the ground. All of these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God promised, for God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Listen, we live in a broken world. And one day it will be put right when Jesus returns, but until then, there's just gonna be pain in this world. There are gonna be answers that we don't have. But we can take comfort in the fact that Jesus experienced a lot of pain himself. He knows and understands our pain. He knows the things that we're going through. He was misunderstood. He was yelled at. He was called names. He was chased out of town. He was beaten up physically. He was betrayed by his friends. He was tortured to death on a cross. And he did all that so that you and I could have right standing with God and be called children of God. And if anybody understands what you're going through, it's Jesus. Jesus suffers when we suffer because he knows suffering. We never suffer alone. But he wants us, he wants us like this persistent widow to keep on asking until we receive what we need. Band, you guys can come on up. Listen to me. I know it's hard when you don't have answers. I know it's hard to keep going when it seems like you can't take any more. Believe me, I know. I live that out a lot of times in my life. 
But if you want to persevere, if you want to get through it, you have to keep praying. If you want your marriage to be whole, you have to keep praying. If you want your wayward child to come home, you have to keep praying. If you want healing, you have to keep praying. If you want to overcome that sin in your life, keep praying. You want your one, you know, we pray for our one, you want your one to come to salvation? And Jesus, keep praying. Never give up. Never stop. Never stop seeking his face. Never stop asking. Keep praying. God is not a reluctant judge. He cares for us. And he's more than ready to grant our request when he knows we're ready to receive an answer. So keep on praying and don't lose heart. He will bring justice quickly according to his timetable, not ours. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that your word brings life and is truth. God, I thank you that you sent your son on a cross to die for us that allows us to have access to your throne, that we can enter into your presence with confidence, Lord, because you love us so much that you are not an unjust judge, God, but that you are just and righteous and caring. God, that you know everything that is going on in our lives. You're not surprised by any of it. God, you know every step of pain that we take and you walk with us every step of the way. Lord, I know sometimes it's hard to keep going. It's hard to keep heart when we don't have answers or we don't feel like you're listening to us, but God, we know that you are. And so Lord, help us to have faith when we don't have it. Help us to trust when it's hard to trust. God, show us your presence in these times. Help us to persist in prayer. Help us to seek out your face. Help us to continue to, to pursue your kingdom, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.